Good afternoon. Welcome to Leather and Limits. This is episode 30 on building community. Yay. Don't sound so enthusiastic. With me, as always, is the <laughs> Imperatrix Knox. Good afternoon. 30 episodes down. I still can't believe it sometimes. It's impressive. It is. And we still like each other. I, that's the part that's impressive. <laughs> I've seen podcasts die for less. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I I was debating on on what would work best as a topic for a thirtieth. Like, it's not exactly an anniversary episode, but it's a milestone of yeah. sorts. Yeah, and I think so. Especially given our our personal journeys in the last couple of years, I think the the idea of community building actually kind of hits right on the money. I would have to agree with that. And obviously from very different perspectives and different reasons, but... And yes, Dottie, it does feel like it's forever, because it almost has been. <laughs> the holidays do that to you, unfortunately. Um, you know, holidays and then life stuff, but, you know, that's neither here nor there and not important for the podcast purposes, so... Um, I can only speak for my end of things. Like having been to Idaho and now back in Minnesota and back in the saddle here, it's, you know, those who have heard other episodes of the podcast have heard Wicked. Wicked is doing wonderful things in the arena of Idaho, but it's still just getting started. Yep. So it, it's a, it's a community that's still building some kind of momentum. And that only just happened in the last six months to a year. So of the That's time new. that I spent, yeah, exactly. So of the time I spent there, it's really was dead for quite a while for the purposes of anything beyond like one-on-ones and private parties. And mm -hmm. not enough people knew each other then. So it just didn't happen. Plus life, you know, at that time I had a family and other things. So it kind of got put on the shelf for a while. Whereas now, no, hard. yeah, it, well, it is because, you know, now there are people who are of the sort where they kind of don't put their family first and all that. We're not going to dive into that kind of thing because that's a whole different <laughs> subject matter for a different kind of podcast, let's say. I'll be um, judgy in a different way, but yeah. Right. Like I may judge that and whatnot, but that's a whole different conversation for another podcast who can handle that sort of thing because that's not really what we're about. Um. But anyone who has half a brain and an adulthood understands what we're talking about. And those people do exist, and unfortunately, they will put the other first. However, you know, most of the time for most of us functioning humans, when you have a knit family, they come first. So it tends to take everything else by the wayside. Um, but now back in the other side of the sling, I'm back in Minnesota. I am slowly but surely getting entrenched in the local scene again i have people coming out of the woodwork like hey you're back what's up uh, and it reminds yeah, I think... go ahead go ahead good no, good thought. Oh. i was just gonna say it it reminds me of every reason why i used to... and anyone who's listened to the podcast in previous episodes has heard me talk about how much i missed the minnesota community and how much i appreciate it and coming back with not necessarily an open arms, warm welcome. I'm still getting started again for the first time in years. And so not everybody knows me. I'm not coming in as someone well-known by everybody. And that's okay. 
I have nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm being welcomed back in the spirit I would appreciate. You know, there's those that remember me who appreciate my existence from the first place. And there's those that are first getting to know me. And I'm plugging back in in a way that I miss. It's something yeah. that I've been long overdue to get back into. You don't realize sense. how much you miss it until you've not had it. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think for me, because I did come and go from the community a few times, um, I think the key for me was being able to find what I actually cared about versus what I felt obligated to care about. That's valid. And so I was able to finally get critical with myself and evaluate, like, what do I care about? What what do I need from community? And then what can I give it, right? Right. And it did take some years of experience before I could figure that out for myself. That was not an easy process. Well, I imagine it wasn't. I mean... Mm -mm. I, and I and I can say that now. I think if you had asked me that like five years ago, I'd be like, "Oh, it's amazing! It's beautiful," you know. And I would have given the party answer, but right. Well, and I I think you know we both come from that background where we were young enough in the scene where it was a bigger scene too. Back in Florida, once upon a time, even though we mm -hmm. weren't in the same circles, we could speak to it. Yeah, when you're yeah. that age in that scene. It does feel like sweetness and rainbows in the in the kinkier side of things, because it's all the things you want it to be at the time. It's sexy, it's hot, you're mm -hmm. hanging out with other people who feel that way, all that great stuff. Yeah. Exactly. But you don't have a reason to understand the depth of it the same way. Not yet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, having, you know, put a couple of decades in, it it's like putting on an old coat that you've had in the closet forever, not because you had to, just you couldn't do much about it. And then the mm -hmm. moment it goes on, you immediately feel the change. Like, why have I not done this sooner? Yeah. And that's yep. exactly what it feels like. It's exactly what it feels like here. It's just very much coming back into my own, getting my feet wet in the places I know, the people I know, the type of people I know. And it reminds me of everything I put on the shelf. And I'm not regretful or resentful. Like, let me be very clear that I have no complaints whatsoever. That part of my life was chosen the way it was for a reason. <laughs> you know. But now it, that I'm I mean, back in the swing. You. Right. But now that I'm back in the swing of it, I don't think I could actively choose to give it up again. I think I'm at that point um. in my life where I don't know if I could put it on the shelf anymore. It's one of those things where whoever I end up getting involved with in the future at whatever level are going to have to understand that this is who I am because mm -hmm. I'm not sacrificing it for anyone ever again. And I'm at an age where I think I have the right to say that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and you've got the experience to back it up. It's not just something you're saying because you've had a bitter experience. Like Exactly. Because I think, I think for me, kind of one of, kind of going back to what I said earlier, like, there's a lot of people that when they get involved in the BDSM kink, you know, and not even lifestyle, they just start going to clubs because they want to see it and they're curious and they're not engaging in the kinky networking quite yet. They don't need community and they're content, you know, right. and 
I don't, I, I mean, I definitely don't want to sound like we're poo-pooing that because I'm, I'm not. There's, oh, never. to me, there's a lot of very valid reasons why somebody would do kink at home or bedroom kink and maybe go to events and be visible in the sense that they want to go see performances and stuff like that. And that is meeting their needs. Um, they don't need to do anything else. You know, going to, to torture garden every now and then satisfies their, their public need, right? Right. Or going to a fetish factory party or some of these, you know, larger conventions, you know, DomCon, FetCon, things like that. That's all they need. And they're fully content with that. You know, they've got their partner. Life is good. They're they're bumping along and they read up on stuff when they want to try new stuff and they go do it. Yes. Folks, folks like you and I are in the way that we're wired. We have decided that being around non-kinky people is just not what we want. And so we do gravitate towards gatherings, you know, being leather, obviously we, we gather yes. often, um, you know, but even within the kink sphere, I find that those of us that have just really decided that this is a priority in our life, we do start seeking out community because we want to skill share, but you want the camaraderie, you know, yes. you also kind of want a safety net you know, for folks that are dating, if you don't have community and you don't have a sense of the community that you're plugged into, dating is harder. You can't vet anyone. You can't, you can't find out who's safe and who's not because people aren't talking to you. And so there's like a lot of, there's a lot of value to building a community for yourself. And I'm passionate about this because I have gone out and built a community for myself after not finding what I needed. And it was not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, Miss Rue has been on this podcast. We're very open. She's she's my leather sister. Absolutely. And the what she and I both, you know, we'd been in kink at this point twenty years, and all those late nights sitting around a bonfire drinking whiskey and bitching about the world and solving all the world's problems, you know, at two a.m. One of the things that she and I recognized being femdoms was that. The femdom community is not healthy. And I don't think that's a shock to anyone. <laughs> you know, I between mean, no, the... but you wish it still no, was. But I mean, I, mean... You... I will say, I feel the professional community, the professional side of femdom kind of has their shit together a little better. But when you talk about community femdom and lifestylers, the ones that aren't in it for a paycheck or the ones that aren't in it to necessarily build a name, um, it's very fractured and she and I were not happy with what we were seeing. And we had had a lot of similar issues because, you know, our interactions in dungeon spaces were radically different than our partners and the things that we needed to feel, I don't know, secure and the things that we needed to feel like we were getting the most out of our lifestyle that we wanted, we couldn't find, you know, having, gatherings and i don't think this is a shock to anybody but like when you have gatherings of a bunch of women getting together it's either great or it's really awful and we had experienced both sides of it and so we decided fuck it let's build our own community we can't find what we need we know we're not the only ones that feel this way if you build it they'll come and if they don't then that's okay we tried and so you know she started a leather munch in the area because there were so many leather folk in and around Orlando. We all knew each other, but none of us interacted. 
we would see each other at the dungeon and, you know, give the nod or the high five. Hey, you know, how, how are things, you know, how are the kids? And then you would go about your night and not speak again. Um, <clears throat> I think that to me, that's, that's not community. Those are acquaintances. Community is Absolutely. something that you're investing in. You're investing your time. You're investing your money. You're investing effort and sweat equity. You, and you're building connections and you're struggling to maintain them. And it's work. It's, you know, a lot of people, I think when they say, oh, I, I, I'm looking for community, they're not understanding what they're asking for. Right. And I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated and they leave because their needs aren't being met because they don't know how to find them. Like, oh, I, I think that's like true. kind of the biggest piece, right? So it's, yeah. So she and I decided to build what we needed. You know, she built a, a great thriving femdom group in Orlando. And then I built one in Los Angeles that, you know, while I am a femdom, I'm also a bisexual woman. And the lack of queer spaces for women out here was frustrating. I you know, I was... Imagine. Yeah, because I was too straight to go to the queer circles, but then I'm not queer enough to be in the lesbian circles. Right. And then when you throw leather into the mix, I'm very femme. I present very femme. There are times I weaponize my femininity. And in leather circles, I didn't necessarily fit some of the stereotypes that I was seeing around me either because I'm not the hardcore butch. I've got long hair. I wear makeup. Yep. You know, and so... I, I kept finding that there was just circles I was tolerated in. I didn't necessarily feel welcome. And so oh, I just said, you know what? I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. So let's start with an event. And that event took off and became a community, you know, and it's a thriving, healthy community, which is nice. And that's absolutely so it's, amazing what you've done sincerely. Oh, I'm fucking proud. Like you should be. I, I absolutely will toot my own horn because what what Rue and I have been able to accomplish has been just amazing. You know, and now that it's been going for over a year, I feel like we've worked out a lot of the the kinks and the nuances because the the specific community I built is exclusive of men, and so and I did that again because there were just no queer spaces that were geared towards women that were surviving after covid you know a lot of the the bars had closed down a lot of the meetings people got sick they didn't want to come back out and meet anymore um you know and being based in la there is tons of kink stuff around here tons you've got multiple venues you've got multiple play parties you've got tons of meetups but you have to be in downtown la for most of it or north hollywood and for a lot of us that's not accessible and so, you know, the online thing, especially through COVID, really exploded. Absolutely. You know, that's Discord. I mean, whether you like it or hate it, Discord really helped because I think everybody understands the toxicity of FetLife. And yes. we all understand <laughs> the limitations of FetLife. Um, I will always maintain FetLife as a good starting point, and it's a good way to stay connected to people that you already care about. But by and large, Discord has started really taking over a lot of that networking. Yes. And people are now getting back in person. You know. So it, it has been a game changer. Oh, absolutely. I I find it interesting because the, the fabric of kink has changed so much in the last five years, which for a variety of reasons, all of which make sense. Um 
and having been in a position to watch it from both ends of that, like I came from what is effectively a larger community out here in Minnesota. And while I had temporarily been on the outskirts towards the end of that, because I was where I was when I came back from California, you know, prior to going to Idaho, I was part of a community that was still fairly large-ish, but COVID was already taking its toll. And then I moved to a state where COVID had effectively removed the community, which was already not very big, and effectively stifled it completely. Mm -hmm. So when I first moved over to Idaho, and at that point I didn't know, like as we're familiar with them now, like the Chateau and this and whatnot, they didn't exist when I first came over mm -hmm. here. Or if they were, they were still in transition from things like Kick and whatnot. Discord was still very much a gamers group server. Yeah. It wasn't built for anything else. Not that you couldn't, it just wasn't thought of that way. Um, so it's an interesting twist in that when I first landed in Idaho, the community was so effectively dead and buried, non-existent, whatever you want to use the term. If it hadn't been for Discord, I would not be plugged in at all. Because yeah. life took over. You know, I had a family at the time, mm -hmm. I had my partner, all of that. You know, so that became the first priority in my life for obvious reasons. But there was no outward community to go attend anything with anyway. Which shaped a lot of my early decisions there. And it's how I ended up becoming effectively zombie-like. For the, you know, anybody who listened to the podcast, there's been a couple episodes where I was beyond dead and buried mentally. <laughs> because I'd been coming off of night shifts for weekends on time where I would go without sleep for two days in a row. And that's, mm -hmm. let me be very clear for someone who doesn't understand and doesn't need the details because they don't need to be said here. None of that was because of the partner I was with at the time. That was my choices for the family I chose at the time. They had nothing to do with anybody else. I made those choices comfortably. Because at the time, I thought they were the best ones for me. If it had not been for Discord and plugging into the kink community digitally, I would have been fully unplugged for the last however And I don't know what would have happened if that had been the case. Like, I'm absolutely mm -hmm. grateful that's not been true. You know, aside from the obvious things, like you and I got to meet that way, etc. You know, <laughs> none of this would have ever happened. Some people may or may not consider that a blessing. That's their problem. Um, but if it had not been for the Chateau, I would not have stayed plugged in as well as I had. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's an interesting shift in that now that I'm coming back to a thriving community, I'm finding having to find balance between the digital footprint that I used to leave full time, because it's all I had. And now I'm starting to get my feet wet again with live events, and I'm not going to anything serious yet, because again, I'm first getting reestablished. But finding that interesting balance in most of the groups I'm part of now on Discord are just effectively a way for local groups to stay connected, but they're really not active in them. It's a way to yeah. post events and share details or to point out something that may have changed or to help with vetting. That's it. It's all they're for. They're not active, thriving communities for the sake of having a digital footprint, which is obviously mm -hmm. very different from sources like the Chateau where that's all it is. It's explicitly an online community because it's global. Well, and, it, and you know, kind of to your point, right, it, 
fulfills a very specific need. Yes. You know, and, and for some people, that level of engagement is all they need, you know? And that's, and and that's why I kind of keep saying that because it's like, it's a matter of what is feeding your soul. And if it's not feeding your soul, you, it's okay to walk away, you know? Sometimes you just got to. (laughs) Oh, you're absolutely correct. And there's, you know, anyone who understands the concept of unplugging from social media for a while, like for a month, six months, whatever it is, like it doesn't apply any less so to kink just because it's, you know, different reasons. Like Mm -hmm. I've known people who've taken hiatuses from Discord and FetLife and going to events and just unplugging from the community for a while. Yeah. And while that is not for me, it is still valid. Like, just because I've reached a point in my life where I don't feel I need to be that level of the community or that unplugged from the community doesn't mean you shouldn't have those options. It's much like we were saying earlier about, you know, if you go to events and whatnot because you're at that surface level of you go for the enjoyment, you have a good time, or maybe you go once a year to just stay in touch and then you stay in the bedroom and that's your thing, that is perfectly valid, too. Mm Mm-hmm. There is no requirement to be a part of a community or be fully plugged in or engaged just because you can. Yeah. Not at all. You know, for those of us where that's a part of who we are, yeah, it's kind of a little bit different. But I know plenty of people where they'll show up sometimes only to munches, like once every couple of months, and then they go home and that's it. And they Mm -hmm. spend their time with their partner and they're happy with that. I don't see anything wrong with yep. that. If it's what works for them, it's what works for them. Who cares? It's well, and that's, but that's, that's the end of it, right? Like, that's, yeah. cause I think, I think another thing too, people get bogged down when they think about community, like it's intimidating to articulate your needs. It's intimidating yes. to come out and say, I need something from you, or I need something from my community. And I think that, especially as leather folk, one of the things that I've noticed is it almost makes you feel dirty to say that you need something from the community because we're taught and it's, you know, drilled into us to give, be in service, provide, um, you know, give back and all of these things. So to stop and say, wait a minute, I need something in return. I think a lot of us have a negative reaction to that initially. Oh, absolutely. And it's uncomfortable, right? Because I know for me, um, when I relocated out to LA, that was something I struggled with because it was like, I knew I wanted to plug back in. I wanted to be around leather folk. You know, I missed it. I missed being around, you know, my kinky brethren. But at the same time, being the, the new kid, we'll call it, it was hard for me to be able to say, I need something from you. Right. You know, and, and I did... And I was around some fantastic people that got me past that hurdle pretty quick, thank God. But that was something that I actually got asked by a submissive out here when I started interacting because they're like, what do you hope to gain by being a part of the community? And my first thought was, oh, I'm not going to gain anything. I'm here to give. I'm here to volunteer my time, you know, help with events. You know, I'm here to help however I can be helpful, you know, because that was the leather path that I thought I was on. And... The more I did that, the more I realized I'm giving, giving, giving. How am I feeding my soul? You know, as a dominant person, service is not 
a love language I provide necessarily, right? And when I was a submissive, I was not a service sub. I was horrible at that. So, you know, to be able to sit back and go, no, I do expect something in return, whether it's compassion or teaching, you know, networking, whatever, we do have expectations. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I, and I, but I think that we do ourselves a disservice by not giving voice to what those are. Oh, you're you absolutely know? correct. And I do also think that for a lot of people, it makes sense that you may not know what those needs are yet. And I think that's valid too. It's okay to say, I don't know what I need. I want to give. And you do that until you find a need. But there's a lot of people that get into community and they don't even want to give. And they forget that you have to invest into the people around you if you want it to be healthy. You know, that's how you build lasting friendships. I mean, and you know this as well as I do. Some of us have friendships and kink that have lasted longer than most of our partners. Absolutely. You know, I've I've got people that I can now proudly say I've known 20 years. You know, have we fought and had falling outs? Absolutely. You know. Have we both taken to FetLife and made angry rants? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but here we are 20 years later, and I'm like, I can say that you're an asshole, but you're my asshole. And that's valid yeah. as fuck. It really, really mm -hmm. is. I mean, that's, I, uh, during all this transition from, from Idaho back to Minnesota, I actually got a, a message from an ex of mine who, she and I have been talking on and off since we were like 20. So at this point, it's, what, 25 years ago? And it's yeah. not, like, the closest friendship. We don't go visit each other. She lives in Florida again now. She's back with an ex-husband, which is her business. But we've known each other that long, and we've known each other at a level where there's that comfort zone of knowing who we are. And so when we do chat, it's like old friends catching up. Mm -hmm. Even after all this time, we don't need to pick up the pace and, like, give each other a life story the last 20 years. It's, you know, how you been? Oh, I'm doing this now. Hey, what's up? I saw that you were. And you can't have that with just anybody. No. And you shouldn't. No. Truth it, it's not shouldn't. the same. I think that cheapens it. But it's it's one of those things, like, I have one friend who I've known even remotely that long who's actually vanilla. And it's <laughs> a very different kind of relationship as a result because they don't know me the same way and they never will. And that's not anybody's fault. It's just the nature of where they live in their life and where I live in mine. Our spheres just don't connect beyond that. And so the conversations are very different for obvious reasons. Whereas this is someone who has been my submissive. So when they pick up, they're like, so what are you doing now? What are you into? And I can be myself authentically and not be afraid of having to choose my words because they're not inclined or aren't a yeah. part of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more important than people realize, at least when you're at the level like we are. Like, it's it's one thing when you're in and out and you kind of live in both of those worlds on a regular basis by choice. Mm -hmm. Because that's just a part of your normal everyday business anyway. Yeah. But when you live and breathe it the way, you know, you, you hit upon it earlier when you were talking about giving and taking. When I first mm -hmm. started getting into the educational side of things before we even started the podcast, but in that same vein in that last like year or so prior, I didn't think in terms of what it was doing for me. I was thinking in terms of, well, I'm giving, I'm trying to educate, I'm trying to pass on what I know. 
And it wasn't intentionally a cocky thing, but it was, I never stopped no. to think, well, of course I'm getting something out of it too, but mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. It is at least yeah. partially selfish. And it's not because Absolutely. I need it to be a specific thing. It's that it lets me plug into the community in a way that makes me feel fulfilled, knowing that yeah. it's helping someone else achieve a level that they didn't have. It's more than that, obviously. That's really a bare-bones description, but it's accurate. There's more to it than just, hey, I know something, here you go. It's not like handing out a pamphlet and letting someone walk on their way. Yeah. I, I think for me, the other aspect of it, and it was something that I was always hesitant to get involved in because I didn't understand it very well, um, was just the advocating side of it. Um, and learning how to have meaningful impact. Yes. Um, because it's real easy to get into community and be selfish. And, oh, absolutely. You know, build a community. Like I was talking earlier, I built a community for myself because I couldn't find what I wanted. So I went out and met my needs. But that's truthfully a small piece of it because the reality is when you when you build a community, my personal belief is you also are taking on a responsibility as a leader and you absolutely you do you have a responsibility to everybody around you and the people that you interact with and it's uncomfortable sometimes to realize that everything you say is being scrutinized you know learning how to use your platform for good instead of evil you know and trying to to remember that you're making impacts and to be aware of that impact yes you know i I, can, I made a lot of missteps when I first started because I didn't, I was not politically correct. I, I've never been a politically correct person. <laughs> I understand this problem. Um, yeah. And so, but there's, you can be politically incorrect and still be empathetic, right? right? And still understand the world around you. I just didn't have the language to match what I was seeing and how to adequately say what it is I was trying to convey. And Thankfully, I had a lot of folks that were willing to sit down with me and bear with my fucked up language so that I could get better with things. And I will no, by no means say that I'm there yet. I'm not. But, you know, recognizing that even in creating a group for a marginalized community, you've got other people in that small community that are even further marginalized. And how do you take care of them? You know, because kind of one of the other foundations that I have that's a blessing and a curse is I have a sense of responsible stewardship. And I think a lot of people are comfortable hearing a term like that in context of like the Kiwanis club or, you know, the moose lodge, you know, unions and things like that. Like you, you hear responsible stewardship and, you know, it's almost like a religious connotation. You don't think about that when it comes to your social interactions. You know, and so for me with community, I had to learn that and I had to learn how to be responsible with what I was saying and say it with care to make sure that I wasn't causing unintended harm to those around me by trying to be myself. You know, I can be unapologetically me, but that doesn't mean that I need to be an asshole about it. And that was that was something that I had to take a lot of time to learn. No, you're absolutely correct. And it's. 
it's something I've been talking about in the last six months more than I expected to, actually. And I've had this conversation a couple of times, ironically, or unironically, I guess. Um, because, you know, I'm not in a position in the same way you are at present, where I'm just getting my foot back in the door in a local community. I'm online in a digital footprint, but I'm not like, say, you know, a couple of others we know. I won't speak their names automatically because it's not about that. But yeah. there's people that come to mind if you're plugged into the community at a national scale that you recognize on site. And I'm mm -hmm. nowhere near that scale. I, I, I'm humble enough to appreciate where I am. I don't have delusions of grandeur. But <laughs> I know sounds funny coming from someone like me, but <laughs> smart asses. <laughs> I mean, I could have chosen not to give either of you credit, whatever. <laughs> anyway. No, um, but no, it's the moment, and I've had this, specifically, I've had this description expressed more than once. The moment you are regarded by someone else in the community as someone to be taken seriously or looked at and looked up to in any capacity. And it doesn't matter if it's a whole group. It doesn't matter if it's a larger group, a city a nation, a seminar, a fest, or just three people in your own backyard. You don't even have to be a community mod. Mm -hmm. You don't. And I think that's important because mm -hmm. I think people lose sight of that sometimes because they think leaders only or specific personages. The moment you are regarded with any seriousness, you are obligated to remember the responsibility that comes with someone else is looking to you for answers or looking yeah. to you for behavioral patterns to think about. Mm -hmm. And yes, it can be a pain to have to go to that level. It can be difficult to have to walk into a room and assume everyone is watching what you're doing and saying. It's a lot of work. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. But that is the nature and responsibility of what you've chosen the moment you make yourself an active part of a community with a voice. And there's nothing well, wrong with those two things, and they're not mutually exclusive. No. But you do have to remember it and keep in mind, because what you say will be remembered. What you do will be remembered. And it does matter to some extent, even if it's at the minor scale. Like, it's not every last thing you do. Like, if you go to a party no. and have a good time, that's different. But if you are at a munch or something, with new people especially, for example... And you are speaking about the lifestyle around people who don't know you from a hole in the wall or are only just getting to know you. And somebody decides to latch on to what you're saying. You yeah. are now being held accountable for what that person learns from you. You don't have oh, yeah. to like it. But you still are. This is where accountability and integrity matter as someone who is regarded as a community leader of some kind. It doesn't yeah. matter what form that is or what titles involved. I am an educator in the community, and there are people, even on FetLife, who read what I say. Yeah. I have to keep that in mind. There are things mm -hmm. I actively don't vocalize on FetLife for that reason. Because yeah. I don't want them misrepresented. And I am That's not true. the most perfect person with words. Sometimes I get really good at it, depending on the subject matter and how well I'm already versed in it. If it's not a subject I'm really good at, I don't always have the words to put it in their correct perspective. So I don't. Well, I don't I think... let piss people misrepresent what I'm saying 
because it's not their fault if I come out and don't represent myself well. Yeah, but the other side of that is if it's something that you don't know about, it's okay to sit it out. Right. Like you don't have, I mean, because that's something that I see and, and the internet has been shit at this. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Like it, people now no, can voice their opinions when they have no basis for voicing their opinions, right? Like they, and yes, everyone's got one, everyone's entitled to it, but it doesn't mean that you're right, especially when you're not educated in it. Right. Um, and so what you see is a lot of people, they hear something and they kind of go off and start basing whatever rant they're going to have on that snippet that they latched onto, like you're saying. And they think, well, now I've been, I've been taught something in it. Now I have a basis of foundation. I know it. And that's not accurate. You haven't researched anything. You haven't actually made any attempts to educate yourself on the topic. You just heard something and had a knee jerk reaction. And that does not make your voice somehow equal to someone who's dove into the subject. Right. You know, and I, and I hate to say that, but not all opinions are equal and I don't feel that they should be. but you're not wrong. You're really not. Right. I mean, and this is this is where, like, Dottie was just saying in the chat, and it's accurate in that, you know, where having boundaries is important because those that look to you need to understand that there's times where you are a leader and there's times where you are just a member. And that's not wrong, yes. but the catch-22 is, and I'm not saying it's something where you have to hold yourself 24-7 like an iron board over it because that's absolutely mm-hmm. true. But you do have to keep in mind, people are really bad at that level of remembering that you have boundaries and are a person. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Unfortunately, that's just the way humanity works. It's the nature of people, especially in groups. Does that mean you should just always hold yourself to the highest standard 24-7? No, you'll probably die out from it. You're going to be human and make things happen. Yeah. The thing you do is you best you can, and you do the best you can to allow and account for hey, I'm just here as a person today, disregard everything I'm doing. And sometimes you can do that and sometimes you don't, but you have to keep in mind the context of where you're doing it. That's all. Well, I, I think I think there's a way to do that. And I'll, right. I'll use myself as an example. I, I run several parties. Each one has its own focus. One of which I turned into a community. And... Now that people, you know, you kind of develop a cult following, right? And you you find people that, like, the party fits into their schedule, so they go every single month. And, you know, it, it you do get to know each other pretty well. And it means that they can somewhat see behind the curtain sometimes. And when you run events and you're an organizer, you do have... And it's a, it's it's such an awkward thing to talk about. But you do have, in a sense... A Wizard of Oz moment where people don't need to see behind the curtain because you need the illusion to make things run well. Um, you know, we're in kink, we're in the business of fantasy, right? And a lot of people go to events and they go to venues and things like that. And it's not because they want to volunteer, they want to use the furniture because it's something they don't have at home, or they want to engage right. with people that they don't get to engage with at home. And so they don't want to know the inner workings because it doesn't matter for them and what they need. And personally, I am one of those people that I appreciate when someone can come into a space like that and not see the inner workings because they shouldn't have to. Oh, 100%. But one of the things, right. But one of the things that does begin to happen 
is when you're constantly facilitating, you're constantly moderating, you're constantly organizing, it is very easy to get sucked into the, the business of kink instead of taking a moment and saying, no, fuck it, I'm going to play tonight. Yes. Or, you know, that's somebody that I want to interact with. And there's there's a couple different schools of thoughts with that because there's there's some folks that are in the encampment of as an organizer, you're responsible and therefore anytime you negotiate play or something like that at an event that you're running, you're you're already negotiating from a place of power. So it's an it's unfair and it's not full consent because you're basically capitalizing on that social currency that you've built. And you know, there is some hero worship that happens, right? But then the flip side of that is if all you're doing is running events and you never participate, yeah, I would argue that you are no longer a part of that community. You're now a facilitator, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and I use myself as an example because yeah, I run events. I run groups. I don't get to play every night because I sometimes don't have that ability. You know, a toilet might clog or, you know, there's somebody at the door that has a problem maybe a medical emergency happens. Right. And so I'm, I'm in action mode the entire night. Right. You know, there's some nights that I'm just so fucking burned out because of the day I had leading up to the event that getting the event off the ground and running and making sure everybody's having a good time is all, you that had. was my goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I had to give that day. Right. You know, and I've, I've had people come up to me and they're like, you know, I noticed you're not being social tonight. Like, are you feeling okay? And it's like, yeah, this this was my boundary for the night. I had to take a step back and not participate because that was for me. I had to I had to kind of keep that social battery in reserve. But then there's other nights where you know, I'm able to work it out especially with with my family. I'm able to work it out where they come with me and I can I can look over it at, you know, Viking or Vixen and say, "Hey, listen. I'm going to go play for 2 hours. You got this." You know, and we can tag in, tag out that kind of a way, you know. And so I've I've actually tried to make it a point now to play as much as I can. Because I, I did find myself starting to get resentful of because course. it was like I'm doing all this work. I'm giving, I'm giving and giving. Now, what am I getting in return? And the answer was. Nothing that fed my soul. You know, no, and so you're like, absolutely once, right. Once I, yeah, and that, and that was a hard thing to to sit with. I mean, that that oh, actually sure. took a couple of months. Like, and and I felt guilty because I was like, God, I'm being ungrateful. You know, look at what we've built and how beautiful this is. Clearly, people are investing back in me because they're showing up. You know, clearly, people want to do these things because they're interacting with me. And so it was like by me advocating and saying I need something, it did. It felt dirty. You know, and I felt like, wow, I'm such an ingrate you know, that's not what I was supposed to be here for, you know? And so I am slowly starting to reclaim some of that back. And it was funny because like I, I ran an event last night and at the event, um, I didn't get to play and I was actually content with it. I playing was not a goal for me last night. Right. Um, and mainly cause I just, I had planned so much for this one event that I, I knew, I knew I was going to be running my ass off all night. And I had three separate people come up to me and they were like, Hey Knox, are you, are you not playing tonight? And it was like, no, I, I have other things going on, you know? And they were like, Oh, that's a shame. I was really hoping to watch you. Or I get other comments like, Oh, that's a shame. 
um, well, let me know if you ever want to play because I'll, you know, I'm more than happy to help you with that. You know, so the community, because we're now getting comfortable with each other, they're starting to see that. And, and this is what I mean is when they invest back in you. Yes. Right? These are people that are approaching me to say, we see that this is off, right? You don't get that level of awareness if you're not invested. You don't get that level of compassion from the people that you're interacting with without that investment, you know, and that's, and that's why I say over and over again, if you want to say that you want to be a part of a community, then you have to be a part of it, right? You can't just hover, right? That that's not being a part of a community at that point, you're a watcher, you know, and it's not the same thing. You're not, you're not getting the most out of it and you're not maximizing your interactions, which means you're probably not going to stay. Mm-hmm. You're going to get burned out. See, and I, I'm actually in a position where I could speak to that from my own experience because, because of the way things played out in Idaho. And it's not so much about the relationship or any of that. It's where I was in the King community at the time because Idaho itself had dried out. Mm-hmm. I had just, you know, I, I, the specifics of why are irrelevant, but I had joined the Chateau, and a bunch of us had, obviously, as we all joked about yeah. back in the day. We all did kind of <laughs> over the course of several months, accidentally trickling in at separate times. But when I first mm-hmm. joined, it was very much a direct result of my partner at the time had known several of these people that were getting it off the ground from back in the kick days. And mm-hmm. I was talked into it, and I'm like, you know what? Why not? You know, can't hurt. I don't have anything else going on. But I was very much on that fringe end of things. I was getting to know people at the surface level, but I wasn't plugging in. Yeah. Not even a little bit. And so initially, I would get, you know, and it's where the Salt Father thing it first started. It very much started in that fra- in that phrase in that the dynamic I was in wasn't working the way we needed it to because real life, you know, it happens. Yeah. So I wasn't getting the kink part of my soul fulfilled in the ways I needed it to. And I was starting to feel it, like not resentment towards a partner or towards the people. It was I was no. personally not plugged in in a way that was good for me. And I felt yeah. it. And I did mm-hmm. start getting shorter tempered. I did start getting shorter sighted. Not in bad yeah. choices or anything. Like, I didn't misinform to anybody or, you know, hurt anyone in the process directly. But the things that bothered me took on a different level of anger. Um, yes. And it was where where everything came down in that server, which is its own story, and not for this <laughs> consumption anyway, but those that no. were involved know yeah. what happened. Yeah. Is where I got the nickname the Salt Father was from the beginning of those interactions. And it's because mm-hmm. at the time I was salty. I was bitter. I wasn't getting what I needed. And it was about then that I realized when I sat down after everything in the dust settled that I had actually had first become a basic staff member in the Chateau. And I realized this is where I needed to start being. Part yeah. of my problem was that I was just sitting on the sidelines. And I was just mm-hmm. sitting on the sidelines with no other outlet. Yeah. I didn't have a local community I was plugging into. I wasn't getting all the things I needed from my daily life because my daily life was too busy. I had to have something. I had to plug back in or I was going to start suffering and make and as a phrase that's been recently used around me that I've been starting to really appreciate, starting to bleed on people who didn't deserve it. Yeah. 
And that's what got my attention, is that idea of having to accidentally hurt people who had nothing to do with it, because I wasn't in a good place, and I needed to change it, so I did. And that is when I started plugging into the digital community as my primary outlet, because it's what I had. And it is how I ended up being a, a dedicated staff member at an international kink server. It's how I got more plugged <laughs> into FetLife. It's how I started a podcast with somebody. All of those things were a direct result of I needed more. And if I couldn't get it the way I was traditionally used to, I had to go get it. Mm -hmm. So I did. Are those things in many ways beneficial for others too? Yes. I have no problem with that whatsoever because that is the level I enjoy. And it's always going to be the kind of person I am when it comes to the kink communities. I prefer to be at that level of involved. But at the same time, it is nice. Like we... We attended a bunch the other day for an edge play group in the local space where a handful of the people there knew me from long ago. Most of the mods did not. So I still had to get vetted like yeah. everybody else. And I was okay with both of those things. I enjoyed okay. the shit out of it because the people that got to know me, I could catch up with, have a good time. And I didn't expect them to vouch for me with people who didn't know me, who were community leads in their own right. I got to know those people, had conversations with those people, so they could get to know me as a person for themselves. Yeah. Because that is how you get rolling. I want them to see me on my own merits, not because someone else already knows who I am. Mm -hmm. Because I want that reputation to be built from my own character, not just hearsay from a handful of people who vaguely remember me now. That's not fair to anyone, including myself. Yeah. Because it's cursory. Yes. And it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly where our, you know, I hate using our leather ancestors because that sounds so much worse than it is. Mm-hmm. But those that came before us, and we've talked about this on the podcast with Miss Rue and a couple of others, where they reached an age where they expected you to vet them based on people who in some cases were no longer alive. Yes. Like, yeah. how do you vet that? And that doesn't work. Yeah. I don't no. want to be a part of this community just because I know so-and-so. I want this community to know who I am for me. So that when I start diving into it full force, when I start building my own spaces within it, it's based on my own reputation and those that want to be around me will choose to do so. And vice versa. It's a beautiful thing because that's how it's supposed to be. And there's going to be places where I go where I'm just a member. And I just want to be a member and have a good time. And that is enough. Exactly. You know. And that's, you know, I I find, because I've run into some, I mean, obviously, I was a part of that conversation too, but like, yeah, <laughs> one of the, one of the main problems, yeah, when your network, the longer you've been in kink, starts shrinking because people leave, die, move on, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it also radically alters how much you want to keep investing because it's, and and it is something that comes with age where you start reining things back in and you start honing things down and it's quality over quantity. Cause I feel like in your, and I'm going to be stereotypical here, but like in your twenties and thirties, you're going for quantity of interaction. Yes. The quality you haven't learned how to really dig out yet. 
you know, if you do, then you're lucky. By and large, most people aren't, they're not there yet. It's, it's when you move through your upper thirties and into your low forties, which is where I'm at now, you start realizing quality of interactions. And I, I mean, let's face it. I live in LA. It's the city of fake nice. You know, you have a ton of people no, that you're no. an acquaintance with. No, I mean, it's, but in major cities, I think it kind of is like that. LA is just Absolutely. worse because Hollywood, but like, you will have tons of people who you know and who know you, but you won't know them. You'll know who yes. they are. You'll know the face. You may not put a face with a name because you see so many faces, but you'll have a cursory of, oh, yeah, I've seen that person before. And then slowly that morphs into, if I don't know your name, I don't care. And then you, you know, kind of go into the salty thing, right? You, and you, you do hit a stage where you get a little bitter. And then hopefully as you come back out of that, you realize that your circle is small, but it's intentional. It was curated. The people that are around you, you're curating because yes. they have qualities that you admire. You know, like me personally, I surround myself with people that I can still learn from. Miss Rue is a great example. You know, we've been friends for a really long time. We still learn from each other. You know, it's, yeah. Can I call her up and bitch and vent at three o'clock in the morning? Sure. You know, can I call her and say my life crashed and I need somebody right now and she would fly across the United States to be with me? Yeah, she would. But she's also the kind of person that will call me out on my bullshit. She's the kind of person that'll say, eh, your opinion's actually a little off on that one. Let me show you why. You know, she's a person that I can go to and yes. still learn from, right? And so I've made it a point that when I talk about the community that I've built for myself, what I'm talking about is this carefully curated circle of people that will challenge me, not let me stagnate. You know, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are looking at me saying, yep, you're right, Knox. Everything you said is right. That's boring. You know, I still want to grow as a human being and I can't do that in a vacuum. And so if I'm surrounded yes. by a bunch of yes people... And I'm surrounded by, you know, people that only know public knocks, right? I'm not helping myself, you know? And when we talk about how that exists in a leather context and identifying as leather, that type of stagnation is toxic. It is. You're and it's dangerous, right. in my opinion. It's very dangerous because then when you do start interacting with newer folks, that are just learning and just starting to dive into things, they don't need to take on that edge. They haven't gotten there yet. You know, like I personally like interacting with new people that are brand new to kink and BDSM and leather because it's energizing. Mm -hmm. I love seeing the world through their eyes and the questions that they ask because they, they don't know any better, you know, and it's, it's humbling in a sense. But then at the same time, I feel the responsibility of making sure that they're getting solid, accurate information, which is why I started teaching. You know, yes. that was my whole point in teaching. Um, because it was like, I remember what it was like to get bad advice. I remember what it was like when the only resource you had was Googling on the internet. And now that we have Reddit, that's fucking garbage. You know? And at one point with Google alone, it was still garbage, so... Well, but now you've got all these other platforms, you know, like TikTok and things like that, where people can now spout 
in a sense, they're spouting their bullshit without being checked. Yes. And so you have a lot of this really horrible information that's just flooding the community. And to ask somebody who's brand new to learn how to sift through that, why would they? Like, that's a monumental oh, effort. Why would they, unless it's just something specifically they really want to know about, right? And to me, I felt like that's where I could fit in. But I, but I found over the years that by curating my friend group to be supportive and challenging, but also affirming, like, it's made me better at each one of those things. Cool. It, but I've also made them better at each one of those things. Right. You know? And so it's, when it works, it works great. You know, but then when you get the wrong group and you have a bunch of people that are like, oh, you know, we can't talk to her about that because she's just never going to get it. So just shut up and agree and let her move on. You're going to find that you start getting pushed out of your own friend group, you know, and that's, again, where community is key because you have to have people that are willing to check you. Oh, You have vital. to have people. It's absolutely vital, you know. It would be very easy for me to sit here now and be like, no, I'm, I'm comfortable in my knowledge of kink and I don't need to go anywhere because I know what my fetishes are. I know how to engage in them. I'm content. That would be very easy to do. Oh, 100%. It would also be boring. But and it would be boring. It's interesting in that, you know, we've, we've talked before more than once and, you know, it's the nature of kink. Most kinksters, when they first come to kink and come to the community of any kind, whether it's a local munch or even on servers, yeah, a lot of servers who have any experience can speak to this. The number of lurkers who join and don't talk, and it's not because yeah. they're not willing. It's that the social awkwardness of most gangsters is so high. The yeah. anxiety is so high, especially given the nature of what we are and who we are. And for some of them, the only thing they've done to that point is read books about it or Googled it. And so a lot of their knowledge is theoretical or it's something they read on Reddit or whatever their sources may be. And it doesn't matter where. It could have been an old boyfriend or girlfriend. It really doesn't matter. That first step into a pool of people who some of them may know their shit is scarier mm -hmm. than fuck. It is. For the first time. Even if they're welcoming. It's not about how welcoming you are. And that's obviously separate from the other side of that, but it's, you have to remember if you are part of the group that welcomes new people in, you have to yeah. remember that they don't know anything. And more mm -hmm. importantly, they are terrified of you <laughs> as often as anything else through no fault of your own and mm -hmm. no amount of reassuring them will explicitly help alone. Like, you've used yeah. the example before about literally coaxing people out of their car to come the fuck inside. And it's yeah. accurate because mm -hmm. they don't know better. It's not their fault. It's the fear and taboo of society, which is obviously a whole different discussion. But it's the nature of who we are. Same thing's true on Discord. I, and I had a recent yeah. conversation with someone who's extremely new to kink where a lot of their experience up till now has either been a couple of past relationships, very limitedly, smut, <laughs> and reading about it online, where they're yeah. pretty sure of some of their kinks, but it's all theoretical. Yeah. And yeah. therein lies the trick. Um, mm -hmm. And they're not the first person I've come across like this, and not even going to be the last. It's very right. common, especially mm -hmm. now where the, the power of media is accessible, you know what I mean? So yeah. 
But the thing, the thing that matters the most, and I use this example for a reason, the thing that matters more than anything is not just reassuring them that everything they're thinking about is okay to feel, to feel comfortable within reason. Like, you kind of have to get them used to the idea that this is okay. There's nothing to be terrified of. But the other side of that is also giving them a space where they can check what you're saying, too. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually, I had this discussion just earlier today with someone who was dating. They just started dating someone younger than them. And we're talking the difference of like three or four years. We're not talking huge numbers because they're both in their 20s. But okay. their experience has been since they were like 18 or 19. Like they've had a good nine years experience or so. They're in the community deeply. Nice. Okay. The other person's got like a year, if that. Okay. And they're holding themselves accountable in that they're well aware of the power imbalance involved. They're well aware of how that looks, especially since mm -hmm. the other person is their submissive and younger. So all those power changes, all those checks are right there in front of them and they're recognizing it. And so they had actually asked Open Forum about, I don't know how to field this. I'm trying to be careful. Am I doing the right thing? Which, in and of itself, is lovely. Like, I, I absolutely applaud this person for being able to be accountable enough to recognize where they're at. Because that's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the conversation topics was, be in a community space, whether it's that you have mentors, they have mentors, you both do. Be in a space you both can trust, so that they are not just explicitly learning things from you. Yeah. Do not be their yeah. sole experience teacher do not be their sole source of education if anything be as little of it directly as you can because it is far too easy and we've talked before on the other side of that about if you are mentoring someone don't fuck them <laughs> to be blunt about it yeah because there's a there's an automatic inherent power issue there even if yes. you don't mean for one it doesn't matter how well intended yeah. it is mm-hmm being able to take someone and introduce them to a community and say, listen, I would love to teach you, but I would much rather you learn from here. Yeah. And I can impart what they don't fiddle fill in the blanks because we're engaged at a level where that's not going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Is a whole different thing because it allows them to double check what you're saying and vice versa. It allows you both to be ethical and you can't do that outside of community. It's a lot harder. And yeah. those are part of that circle, too. Those are the, you know, it one of a billion little things, obviously. But it's the things that matter that only work if you at least try to be plugged into community at some level. It doesn't work in a vacuum. It just doesn't. No. Because it's far too easy, even if you mean well. I don't care if you've been in the lifestyle 20 years and you just decided to stop being in a community. Just as an example. You yeah. Know? And I'm not like pointing fingers at anybody, including myself. Like it's nothing like that. It's just a good example that works. Mm -hmm. If you unplug for X amount of time and get, you know, end up getting involved with someone who has little to no experience, don't do either of you the disservice of staying unplugged. Or at the very least, don't let them remain unplugged. Yeah. Because even if you mean well, even if you're sure of what you're teaching and you feel ethical about it, 
it is too easy for misrepresentation. It's too easy to hurt yourself or them, even with the best mm-hmm. of intent. And if you both have feelings involved, it's going to be so much worse. It's just messy. It is, and it doesn't need to be. That's the trick. That really right there is the trick about it. Is the moment education is involved, if your emotions are involved, it's going to get messy if you don't be an adult. You need to mm-hmm. come with emotional intelligence, mature intelligence. You have to have that. And that means letting other people take the... Unfortunately, but it shouldn't be. Because in the nature of the pools we play in, especially if you're poly too, yeah, you have to allow for those circles to be breathing freely for everybody's sake. Well, and I want to touch on something that got mentioned in the chat about having one person you're getting information from. I do feel that there are times that that's actually acceptable. Um, I think it can. And it's when you... Well, and and I say that because the the specific circumstances that I'm thinking of, if you're trying, like, you're in a brand new DS, you're trying to learn your dominant, you're trying to learn your submissive. For the submissive that's trying to learn the dominant, you do have to learn from them. Right. Because you're learning their protocols, you're learning their house structure, you're learning their values, things like that. And that can only come from them. The difference to me is trying to learn something about a specific person versus learning something about how to do play or a a specific safety issue, things like history. Um, Because, and again, pulling from leather on this one, you'll hear people say, I'm being mentored by so-and-so and I have to have their permission for play. I have to have their permission to speak with you, things like that. The goal behind that behavior was not to isolate you. The goal behind that behavior was to teach you how to interact with the people around you respectfully and to make sure that your behavior didn't reflect negatively on your mentor. It, it literally was to teach you how to not be an asshole. Right. It was never to gatekeep information. I think, you know, I won't even say over the years, certain people pervert that as a method of control and isolation. Yes. And that's when it becomes toxic. And so when you hear people say, well, I need permission for play, I don't see that as toxic. I see that as I don't trust you enough to properly vet and properly negotiate. So I need to be involved to help you with that. It's not because I only want you playing with me. Mm -hmm. Now, that kind of territorialism usually comes a little bit later in the relationship. You know, once you have like an established DS, you have some some fields that are built in. Well, and I can speak but to that. When you see, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say I can speak to that directly because when I first got brought into my leather household, it was a full two years before I was allowed into the rest of the community, mm-hmm. and it's still a group of sorts. So you know, there's there's a different behavioral psychology involved, but it was still a se- yeah. very select small group of people. Where I only mm-hmm. bottomed for a couple of them above and beyond that. Yeah. But I wasn't allowed in the greater communal circle until I was considered competent enough to be allowed out, so to speak, as a representative of the house. But mm-hmm. the flip side of that, and it's the part, this is the key part right here, is there was ethical communication about why it was being done. I was given yeah. the opportunity to understand why it was being done. 
I was being the opportunity to say whether I'm okay with it or not. Mm -hmm. And those are key elements too, is giving me the tools to recognize my own need for consent. Even as someone who didn't yeah. fully understand what that meant yet. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just, you're doing it my way because. It's, right. this is why I feel you should do it this way, but I want to make sure you're okay with that. It's not the same thing. You are absolutely correct in that you know, and I, I've had this conversation a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, because now I'm getting back into a different social circle with the community here and everything. You right. will have people who will approach you with zero to, to little to no experience. Who are yeah. like, are you comfortable talking to me even? And it's like, well, we mm -hmm. don't even know what that's going to look like yet. But I don't care what your experience level is, because if, say for the sake of argument, we end up in a position where a power exchange becomes in you still have to mm -hmm. learn the things that make me want those things as a dominant, because you wouldn't know what they are anyway. Right. So you're still learning me from scratch regardless of the rest. What's important is being able to impart that separately from the rest of your knowledge base. And that's where you break down into more opinion than anything else is... You need to learn me as a dominant, but I also want you to learn the other aspects of kink. But I need you to be able to do that in an environment where you know what I'm telling you is decent. And so allowing them to that, that mixed fluids point of being able to be in and out of the community matters. Yes. You know. Now, 100%. And that's a different kind of isolation, though, because that's less isolation and more one-on-one. -on -one, where it's, I want to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one, but here's the resources to also do your own homework or meet other people if you so choose mm -hmm. in an ethical space. And it's the ethical part of it that matters. It's not if it happens a certain way. It's all about ethics. It's all about communication. And I think people lose sight of that because they get caught up in the other side of that, of that whole, you know, well, you were a mentor. So I wasn't trying to be a mentor and I gave them the tools. Yeah. It matters. It does. Holding your side accountable matters. After that, you can only do mm -hmm. so much. But you do your part. Yeah. No, absolutely. And now, see, the other, the other thing that, that gets me that I see often, too, is kind of going back to the educational part. You have people that will find things on TikTok, whatever. And because you, you liked it, you followed it, you start getting inundated with that person's content in your for yeah, you page. That algorithm, algorithm picks you on it, right? You start, <laughs> and you start getting it, it's good and it's bad, right? It's right. it's good and then it's really bad. And so the perk to that is you definitely get to know the content creator a little faster, right? Because you, you get to see all of their content kind of when you're you're ready for it. Right. The bad side about that is you'll start seeing potentially where they're getting some of their information from. Yes. And you'll start seeing, and, and again, the double-edged sword of TikTok, right? For some shit, it's great. For other stuff, it's horrible. And my algorithm, like, I, I'm sure they think I've got multiple personality disorder, but my algorithm is so fucked. But the stuff that, that I get now... <laughs> 
It is. It's so random. Like there's kitties, puppies, there's leather BDSM, then there's mask talk, then there's book right? talk. Like it's my shit is so fucked up. I feel that. You know? And then I've got the lesbian talk and I've got that. Yeah. So, but one of the things that I've noticed, especially the more that I've been following BDSM educators on TikTok, because it's, it's easier to share content there than it is on FetLife anymore. And they're not duplicating content to FetLife. Um, in those two minute spiels, there's a lot of information being shared, uh-huh. but there's really, there's really nothing to show where they got the information from. You know, the people that are making quality content will tell you, here's the book I read. Here's what I think about it. Here's why I thought it was good advice. Here's why I think maybe this guy's a little off base. I get more value out of that because now I can go read that book for myself and then go, yeah, you're right. I agree. This is horrible advice. Or I can read it and go, actually, there's some kernels of truth in here that aren't so bad, depending on your knowledge level. Right. And, you know, kind of one, one of the rabbit holes I went down <clears throat> was um, a whole, there's a whole slew of videos about DS relationships and red flags and beige flags and green flags. And facts. <laughs> well, I was realizing that when you really start looking at how many people are liking these videos and you start seeing the the hundreds and the thousands of people that are interacting with these profiles, that's its own community. And they, they are not, some folks are doing it because they want to genuinely educate and you can tell who those people are. Then you've got the other people that are trying to promote a business and kink, whatever, or they're just trying to, to get as many likes as they can. So they're intentionally inflammatory, Right. but like, you start seeing how there are whole communities developing specifically on TikTok that aren't leaving TikTok. They're not leaving that platform to interact with the rest of the kink community. No, it's becoming its you own know, because there is a global, yeah, because there's there's a global BDSM community, and then you have your local communities, and then you've got whatever the online communities are, and they don't all overlap. Nope. They're not all interacting with each other, and I think that's another thing that new people don't understand because we always preach how the kink community is small but it it is and it isn't i mean it's big enough that obviously predators can move areas and they they go undetected we know that but it's small enough that if you've been in it any length of time i can i can honestly say now there are people in new york city who know who i am there's people in miami that know who i am there are people in dc that know who i am you know, there's people in Phoenix, you know, Canada, you know, I know this now because I've put myself out there, right? but I've also intentionally interacted with the community at large. Exactly. And you have people because they're watching these videos on TikTok and they're thinking, oh, this is how it is. And, you know, this video has got, we'll say 3000 likes. Well, that's 3000 people that agree with this ideology, you know? And so they start thinking, no, that's what I'm going to base my foundation off of. And that to me is the dangerous part of it because they're not seeking additional input. They're not seeking additional exterior stimulation to to be shown why that's maybe correct in certain circumstances, but don't take it as gospel. You know, and I think, and, you know, safety is kind of, I use safety as an example for that because it's something we can all appreciate. You can be taught how to do a specific rope tie and you can be assured that when you do that tie correctly it's reasonably safe there will always be somebody who comes behind you and will show you why that tie is inherently unsafe right 
if, if you've been in rope longer than 30 minutes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every single tie, you know, you watch someone do a suspension, you'll have five people going, wow, that's so beautiful. Look at how much fun they're having. And you'll have two people sitting on the sidelines going, oh, they fucked up that knot. Oh my God, I can't believe they did it that way. Oh, look at that upline. And I it's mean, it's hilarious to me. You stick around you know? long enough, you'll hear people critiquing impact play. Like, Oh God, yes. And don't yeah. get me wrong, okay. as we've already done a, an episode about it, impact play does have its paces where there is technique involved and there's skill involved in all of yeah. that. There is. But if you're doing something basic and you're following basic protocols, the fact that someone is still critiquing it is kind of ridiculous. But it's going to happen. And that's mm -hmm. the point. It's, it's going to happen. And it's... It's not unlike when I used to talk about the surface feeders. And at the time I was referring to, you know, the harem groups, the auction groups, the, you know, yeah. that were predominantly on kick until more recently. Now they're all over Discord and et cetera as well. Now that the world has gotten changed. Mm -hmm. TikTok is another one of those spaces. It's a bigger space. Mm -hmm. And that's the part I don't think enough people understand is it is, though. It is ultimately another surface feeding space. You have a lot of people with semi-decent information or less capable of saying whatever they want and having other people hear them. It only takes 10 other people to hear them for it to be enough to hurt someone. Yeah. Even two. And that was true of the other groups, but the difference was when they were on kick, it was groups of like 20 or less and often were localized in some cases. You no mm -hmm. longer have that. It is now national and international. And yeah. that's where we have to start paying attention more to those spaces and why they matter. They're no longer mm -hmm. as dismissible as they used to be. Because it is yes. far too easy for a lot more bodies to get bad information and never touch the kink community that we know and still fuck something up or hurt themselves or others and the kink community can suffer for it. And nobody mm -hmm. has remotely considered that yet. I guarantee it. Not enough people are. Not yet. It's going to yeah. take something unfortunate. Which, it, the nature of the beast, that's the way people operate. It takes something shitty for people to pay attention. I can't help that. It does. But it doesn't change that it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not unlike those communities. And as I've said about them before, you do your best to combat those communities, not by combating them, because that's that's an uphill struggle you're never going to win anyway. You're just going to become a raging alcoholic or an addict. Yes. You can't win by 100%. fighting fire with fire with places like those, because they already are in a space where they're not going to be inclined to listen if you're fighting them with anything inflammatory. Mm -hmm. You fight them, so to speak, by providing the tools for people to be able to figure it out for themselves that maybe this isn't the right way to do things, or maybe I need to know more. You give yep. them the toolbox to realize, oh shit, they were only giving me this hammer, but what's with the rest of this fucking toolbox that I just discovered? Mm -hmm. Now I've got to go find out what the rest of these tools do. That alone can make a huge difference in how much of that gets matriculated, but that only works mm -hmm. if people are doing it. And there's not a yep. lot of people who understand that yet. No, and and I also feel like they don't want to. No, that's a large part of it too. Absolutely. And I think I think that's kind of a piece that it's easy for us to forget. It's easy to ignore. 
right? Oh, yes. But we kind of like, as much as we, we tout education and all this other stuff, you can't ignore the fact that you are going to be around people who don't want to educate themselves. You're going to be around people that don't care. You know, you're going to come into contact with people that are fully happy in their ignorance. And you have to accept them, <laughs> you know, right. because you're going to be interacting with them. Like it, it just goes with the territory. And sometimes that's a really freaking hard. It um, is. I know I have a hard time with that because it's like you are intentionally being obtuse and that hurts I, my head. You know, I'd be lying if I haven't had a lost track of just in the last year, especially in the last year where it's becoming more prevalent that kink talk is a thing. Yeah. And it wasn't that it didn't exist before that, just it's building steam so to speak. Mm -hmm. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've hit the comment button only to kill the comment button and realize I just need to stay <laughs> away. Yeah. It has happened. Yeah. And I pray to God I maintain that control. Because mm -hmm. once you put it out there, you can't take it back and however many people have seen it. No. And I it can't. goes back to the same thing of you can't fight fire with fire in those instances. It will not work. Nobody's going to hear you the way you want to be heard. Yeah. And if there are people who already follow that person, you are just going to come across as inflammatory. Yeah. You are going to become yeah. an antagonist, no matter how well-meaning. And it means the message not only might be lost, but it will reinforce the message that's not good. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help anybody, yeah. not even a little bit. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But again, you have to content yourself with the fact that you're going to be around them. Right. Right. You know, because again, that's the double-edged sword of doing public kink. You're going to come into contact with people that you're like, Ugh, you know, not, not really my bag, <laughs> you know, and I, but I find that even folks like that, I still learn something from them, even if it's a new boundary or if it's something that I don't want to do. Right. I'm learning something. Right. So I'm not, I will never say that, that there's people that don't have value. I will never say that. No. But there are definitely people that are not worth an equal amount of your time. Yes. That is an absolutely correct way to look at that. And it's the yeah. simple truth. It's, it's not even about anything else at that point. It's that ultimately you have to decide, am I getting an, you know, we, we like pointing out the fact that if you stop learning, you basically die in the community. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. You should never stop learning, especially in kink. Applies to a lot of things, mm -hmm. but especially here. Yeah. You never know what you might learn from someone, but you have to keep the open mind refrain that sometimes what you learn from them is simply that they're a dumbass. And it's okay to recognize that too, but mm -hmm. be open-minded enough to realize that that may not actually be what you learned. That's the key ingredient. You may learn something. It could be as simple as, you know what? They might actually be onto something. Mm -hmm. And it may be with the with the weirdest of information sources for them, and they've come across something interesting. It can happen, too. You don't want to stifle that. You want to maybe help steer them in the right direction eventually, if you're able. And that, that right there is also a key part of it, is if you are able, if you're in a position where you can do that reasonably and ethically for both of you. Mm-hmm. But if you just close mind yourself to it after three seconds, like, oh, this one's a move on, and you flick away, you don't know what you might learn. Yeah. So you kind of have to sense. play the game of, is this one's going to be worth my time or not? 
And yeah. you don't know till you give it a shot. That's all. And that's valid. You know, that, I mean, it, and I will say like, that's the, the gamble, right? The risk that you run. And that's why I say you have to invest as much as you're hoping to get out. You know, to me, that's the investment. There is a risk reward. There is, um, I mean, it, it's kind of like dating. You're putting yourself out there and it's hard. It's awkward. It is. You know, it's not a natural state for most of us. You know, facts. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the comment. <laughs> it's it's one hundred percent though. It really is. You know, you don't know what someone's energy is going to be worth till you put the time in. Mm-hmm. But you have you know, to put and, the time and, in to get it. And you have to put the time in to figure out if it's going to be worthwhile. You know, and that's you know again it, a lot of this when. And I think this is why people don't like getting involved in community is it's work. It is. It's exhausting. Oh God, is it ever. You know, it's, it is its own relationship. It is its own right. power dynamic. Right. And, and I think that's why you have a lot of people that dip their toe in and then run screaming because <laughs> they're like, no, that's too much. I don't want that much interaction. That's too much. You know, and that's okay. You know, again, there's a reason why, people that do bedroom kink we still count as part of the community it's still a valid you know because way of effectively being are it's just a different mm-hmm. choice of path absolutely I think that's that's the part where people lose sight of even if you're not involved in the community at the same way we are you're not going to events you're not out in lunches you're not even if you're just not actively participating at the digital level either if you just have your wife or girlfriend boyfriend husband whatever live in harem doesn't matter (laughs) you know just to cover all the bases because it's all the same that Uh purpose you know ultimately if you are practicing kink in your own spaces you're still part of kink yeah it doesn't have to be the same level or same path that i'm on Uh you can be monogamous and staying home all day and that is just as fucking valid Absolutely. And I will fight for your right to have that choice. Even Mm -hmm. if I never see you or hear from you, you may never hear this podcast. I'm still rooting for you. Yeah. As silly as that may sound for some people, it's a valid choice and I encourage it. That is the whole nature of kink. Yeah. Is to the freedom of your own damn choices without judgment. Period. Mm -hmm. Full stop. That is the bottom line. It doesn't have to look like what I look like. It doesn't have to be what I want. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you anywhere less valid. I plug in at the level I do because I know this is what works for me. I don't need you to be plugged in the same way because that doesn't work for you. Right. And there's nothing wrong with those two things running in parallel and never intersecting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part people lose sight of the most. Yeah. I would say that's another one, yeah. You know, I don't need you to be on the same page I am all the time. If you come to me with a question, I may need to give you an answer that requires you to do some homework or get involved at a different level. But that's different because at that point you've already chosen to engage with someone outside of whatever your sphere is. That's a little different. Yeah, it... It gets complicated, you know. 
it does. It it is. It is complicated and and I think it needs to be, but yes. I think that and it's part of why I wanted to talk about it is is there is some demystifying that has to happen because oh, yes. <laughs> I I don't my biggest fear is that people hear like these big monolith words that we use in kink and they think, oh, it's an establishment, right? Right. And then oh, they God, decide, no. <laughs> you know, and so then, then you hear them turn away from kink because they're like, yeah, that's not what I'm here for. And that's why I say like in, in, in BDSM circles, you know, people that practice bedroom kink and people that don't want to step into community are talked down to. Yeah. You know, they are, they are othered in a sense. Like they, they are definitely treated like they're somehow separate from, and kind of my point that I wanted to make is that they are still consumers of kink. Yes. They're still buying the gear. They're buying the, the toys, you know, they will still probably watch classes online, even if they're not on FetLife, you know, stuff like that. So they're still consuming all of the same things that we are, they just don't want to interact with you. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and, a, and I don't ever want to suggest that that's somehow less than, cause even I've said some of these things, like, you know, I know in the past I've been like, Oh, they're, you know, like, especially when you're trying to find new play partners. Right. And somebody's like, Oh yeah, I've got experience. And it's like, Oh, well, what have you done? Oh, well, I spanked my girlfriend. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're so kinky. But the reality is for them, that is kinky. And that's the level of kink that they need. They're content with it. And they are bumping along their life happy as a clam. Cool. You know, part of part of the thing that I had to learn, especially being a dominatrix, was that sometimes people just come to you to learn a specific task. They're content. They leave. That's still a valid identity in kink. Yes. You know. Absolutely. And to me... That is still an engagement with community, even if it's on a professional level, you know, and not at a dungeon. You know, if somebody finally gets the courage to go to a munch, they're a part of our community. They may not stay, but they've at least made that initial effort. They're a part of our community, you know, but it goes back to they may not be deserving of the equal amount of time because they've not invested into the group. Right. You know. And you're not going to find that out until you actually talk to them. Right. And it's where your sense of self has to come into play. I mean, I won't pretend that, you know, and I've made the joke before, but I, you know, in my 20s, I was one of those who liked to make the joke about, you know, the people who handcuff themselves on their birthday and shit like that. And it sounds silly to someone who's a hardcore kingster like we are, where we've been in it so long, we are active in it that way, where our depth of broad knowledge is different. If it's kinky for them, it's still kinky. And I don't think enough people understand that. Your idea of what makes something kinky doesn't take away from theirs. Because society has taught us that there are so many different things. If it is taboo for them to fool around with it, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's just on their birthday. If it is taboo for them when they do it, it's taboo for them when they do it. Yeah. You don't get to tell them it's not. Mm -mm. Simple as that. There's obviously more that goes into that if you dive in deeper, but the bottom line is the same. You don't get to tell them that they're not kinky. Yeah. That's gatekeeping. Exactly. And you don't get that 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 right. Nobody on this planet is qualified to gatekeep kink at that level. 
No one. Yep. I don't care who you think they are. I don't care where they are in the lifestyle. I don't care how many years experience they have. Okay, I don't care if it's Mama Vi, and anyone who's had more than three minutes of experience in the community has some idea who she is. And she'd be the first person to tell you she wouldn't fucking do it. Yeah. Why would she, yeah. you know, that's mm-hmm. my point, yeah. though. We don't do that shit. No, and you shouldn't. No, it is gatekeeping of the grossest order. And it's not fair. It applies to so many different things, but that is the bottom line. You are allowed to consider yourself kinky if you think you're kinky. There's nobody gets to take that from you. Exactly. It's shaming them also, and that is exactly not okay. The moment shame's exactly. involved, you are doing wrong in the kink yeah, community. Exactly. Let's be real for exactly. a minute. If there's mm-hmm. shame involved and you're making someone feel ashamed, you fucked up. I don't care how you mistreat <laughs> it. I don't care how you misrepresent yourself. Yeah. You yeah. did. May not have been intentional, you still did it. Take accountability and at least do your best to make amends. It's not that it's like, oh my god, you're a horrible person now. Recognize you fucked up and that it's not okay. Because it isn't. Mm-hmm. You should never make someone feel ashamed of their taboos. Trust me, they're doing a good enough job on their own. <clears throat> they don't need your help. And that sounds terrible, I know, but you know what I mean. Like, it's... Yeah. That's literally where their problem is in the first place. Whatever society mm-hmm. pressures have added to their life in the first place, they consider this something out of the norm that they would be afraid of someone finding out. Yeah. Period. It doesn't That's matter if it's their mom, their job, their best friend. It doesn't matter who it is. It's still kink no. for them, and it's something they're afraid of someone finding out. If you mm-hmm. feel make them feel ashamed of that, you screwed up. And that's not to be mean to anyone. It's not to shit on someone else. That's honest. It's just the honesty of we need to recognize that at our level of community. We need to realize that that is something that can occur and that you should do your best not to. Because that person, maybe the number of people who've come into kink since the Fifty Shades era, we won't get into that. We know what we're talking about. There is a change Mm -hmm. in how many bodies show up. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Some of them show up at 70. Some of them show up at Mm -hmm. 20. You have no control over how long they've been alive. You have no control over what they knew before. The moment they step their toe into the community at a pool where they interact with another person in kink, give them the grace to figure out where they are. That's all that really boils down to. Don't disallow them from learning where their path is. Don't be an obstacle in it. Yeah. It's, it really boils down that simple. Obviously, it could be pared down a lot. But when you sum it up in the most basic terms, don't be an obstacle in someone's journey. Mm-hmm. That's not fair yeah. to either of you. It goes back to that bleeding on other people thing in a lot of ways, too. Because half oh. the time, those kind of things come from your own hang-ups and issues and whatever. And... That's what it is. They're projecting. 100%. And you should never, to the best of your ability, don't ever, you know, you're allowed to be hurt. You know, whatever those hurts, traumas, issues, whatever they happen to be, those are valid and you did have them, obviously. Don't bleed on people who didn't cause them. Because that person, you never know what they could turn into. 
Yeah. They could be an amazing asset to the community. And you might have just shown them the door before they even got started. That is very accurate. And yeah. I've seen that happen. And I know that's kind of a dramatic stretch and it doesn't happen as no. much, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. We don't want that to be what happens. Never. Right. Now, I, I have watched that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I myself have tried to introduce people into the broader community and have watched friends of mine shut them down. Right. Um, yeah. I, I too, I mean, my starting kink that, I mean, I was very lucky. I met somebody online that was like, Hey, why don't we grab a cup of coffee? And I'd been terrified to meet anybody up to that point. Which is talking online was like a big deal. Well, and especially at that time as, as a young female, you know, Oh God. Yes. It was like chum in the water for a bunch of sharks. And I finally rolled the dice because this person felt sincere when we were messaging back and forth, male dominant. And he was partnered, you know, so I felt reasonably safe because harems were not a thought to me yet. And it was over my conversations with him over cups of coffee sitting at a Barnes and Noble for like two, three months that I finally was able to go, yeah, I'd like to see a dungeon. And that was the thing is this was a person that had a lot of experience was was very well established in a couple of different communities, both in Florida and in Washington state. And the fact that he was willing to take the time to answer all my dumbass newbie questions, <laughs> right? The fact that he was willing to sit down with me and say, let's fix some of these preconceived notions that you have. And let me show you what it actually looks like when you go out into the wild. And then to have somebody that, that, was willing to go with me places and right. not and and the other thing too and this is why he and I are still very good friends in that very vulnerable stage of my kink development never once was it hey can I fuck you never once was it hey let me play with you he never once offered to show me anything playwise and it may be just because he read I was skittish. It may be because that's just who he is, right? Like, now I know that's just who he is. He doesn't dive into play with anyone. There's a ton of negotiation that happens. Hell yes. But what was great, <laughs> great for me, he gave me that foundation to learn how to separate those emotions so that I could really look at and see what I was seeing. Right. And actually see it and take it in and understand it. But also he took the fear out of interacting with other kinksters because up until that point, I mean, mind you, I was 23 years old. And so up until that point, a wee Knox. Oh my God. A wee baby Knox. (laughs) Very, very, very tender and delicate and still mild. Um, And very submissive. Very strange. Now it wasn't feral. It wasn't feral. (laughs) It was not feral. I was, I was housebroken at that point. Um, Fair. But, but no, I mean, he, it, it was really through having somebody that was willing to actually sit down and do that. I know you couldn't help it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but it gave me the understanding and not the fear of going and seeing community. It was, it was given to me with the context of, if you want to learn about this stuff, 
let me help put you in contact with people who have the same interests that you do so that you can talk to them. You know, let me put you in contact with other people that do these things so that if you are curious, these are people that I know are safe. Yes. You know, and so when I did make that leap to say, I want to take this out of the bedroom and potentially do something with someone who's not my partner, you know, somebody that I'm not sexually active with. I was able to do that in a very controlled environment where I felt safe. I felt in control and I felt like I had a voice. It wasn't just random shit being done to me and saying, okay, you had your first scene. How was it? You know, it wasn't people lining up to do stuff to me and me leaving at the end of the night going, wow, I guess that's what we do here. You know, I was fortunate. You know, a lot of people's introduction into this stuff is not pleasant. You know, it's abusive, you know, and I met abusive people early on, you know, and I was married to an abusive person later on, um, you know, and so like, it's, it's really hard when you start dipping into that, that pool of expanding your circle, you know, cause God knows dating in and of itself is hard. Oh God. You know, yeah, it's, it's so much it's, worse now. No, it's brutal. And people just don't know how to behave post COVID. Like, Hands down, no, they don't know that, how to behave. You hit it right on the head, and that sums up everything mm -hmm. that matters about the dating yeah. scene. It's terrible. No, it's terrible. But then when you throw kink in the mix, it gets worse. We know how to talk about sex. We know mm -hmm. how to talk about fantasies. We do not know how to talk about everything else. Nope. We do not know how to, to relate to each other on a one-to-one -one level in a meaningful way. We well, know how to get our fantasies fulfilled. Well, and the worst part, I mean, we used to make the joke about this because that was technically true before, too. Mm -hmm. But we understood how to negotiate being around another person because we went to local events first. It wasn't like the digital age. Yeah. So you had to go out and meet people. You didn't have a choice. So you met people in similar circles, and then you sat down one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. occasionally and finally said, hey, you seem kind of cute, or I really like the way you X. Can we talk? Yeah. And it might yep. extrapolate to a coffee date or a conversation or dating but you mm -hmm. had a chance to explore that further and say, well, obviously I'm interested in you because of something sexy. So you had right. a barometer to go by. Now, with the digital age, that is thrown completely into disrepair even before COVID. But now with COVID, social grace has been taken out of the equation. And yeah. dating in kink is as bad as dating out of kink. Because you don't know how to approach each other. You don't know if the other person's as interested as you can tell on words on a screen because it is words on a screen. There's mm -hmm. so many issues. And that's above and beyond taking people being shitty into account. That's just communication in general. <laughs> yeah. Like, compounds yeah, things a thousandfold. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. No, 100% I, I agree. I mean, I, I applaud people who seem to be able to navigate that universe. I will never be able to do so. I still very much equivalent to, you know, I plug into my local community and I organically run into people that way. And that's just easier for me. I will never... The comment, is there a manual on this shit? No, and I wish I fucking knew where there was one. <laughs> yeah. You know, simple shit for me. I wish there was one because it would simplify so much, but there ain't. And that's just how it is. Sometimes yeah. I wonder if a manual wouldn't help anyway, honestly. 
in some ways I think it would, right? But then then you get into the one two way and that's oh, terrifying. God. Oh I think I just threw up in my mouth a little. But you're not wrong. That's and that's the problem yeah. is that applies to dating and kink. So mm-hmm. <laughs> humanity at its finest right there. Let's just move on. <laughs> that's a whole different conversation for a terrible other day. I mean <laughs> Christ. Well it is, but no, it's but accurate. It is. It absolutely is. And that's that's the whole reason why the community exists the way it is. And we're the whole reason there's a podcast is a great mm-hmm. example of that as well. Is that it was not built with the premise of people who go to events in mind. It wasn't built yeah. for the thirty year old master who's exceptional with single tail. It wasn't built <laughs> for, you know, it wasn't built for the leather household who, you know, has been around a decade. Yeah. It was built for someone who could be in any number of places on the globe, whether it's in their own home in Ohio, whether it's, you know, somewhere in Japan, whether they're accidentally gracing across it in Poland somewhere. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not naming anything specific so we're clear, like somebody starts drilling down, like, did they know about that? No, it, it's just <laughs> random choices. Let me be very clear. They were just pulled out of a hat. I'm not thinking of any specific scenario here. But all of those people have at some point thought about kink. Mm -hmm. Whether they're able to find it locally or not. Yeah. And the key word is or not. Yeah. And being able to say, hey, you may not be able to get this anywhere else. I'm not the only person you should listen to. But let me give you the opportunity to have a toolbox in the first damn place. And you can take that to the best of your ability. And we, how many times we have said, don't go by our advice alone. Don't go by what we say alone. Do your homework. Research. (laughs) And it's not just because we don't want you to cross-check us, because we do. But it's because that's what makes it healthy. And if you didn't think to do that before you come across this, then we've helped you do that too. And I'm okay the with other that. Thing, let's see, my other part with that is when, when I say cross-check me, my hope is that they do come back and say, hey, so I found this thing. So, you know, you said this and, you know, I don't feel like that's quite right. Cool. Show me. Right. You know, that to me is not, I'm not going to get pissy about that. I will never get mad at somebody if they're like, hey, so I found this thing and, you know, you might have outdated information or, Hey, that was just a little off base because I know somebody who does this and here's what they showed me. Please God bring that to me. Yes. You know, you're just making all of us better, you know, and it's not the people that get so pissy about that kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> again, you're short sighting yourself. Right. And it's like, you know, I love watching other people play, not because I'm picking their pay, play apart. Yeah, I do snark. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm human, but I'm also looking to see what they do because it may be something cool that I want to integrate. I may see a toy that I've never seen before. I may see a level of creativity that makes me want to play with that person or get to know that person better. You know, I will never turn that kind of stuff away. You know, 
Right. And so, yeah, if, when people come up to me and they're like, hey, so you said this on the podcast and it made me think of this. And as I was researching, I found this other thing. I love those conversations. You know, you're just making me better. That I'm learning from you. And that's the point. <laughs> like, I don't want my voice on this podcast to be the end all be all of kink. That's not what I'm here for. You know, I don't want somebody to just listen to these episodes that we make and go, okay, now I know everything I need to know. Or to start thinking, oh, well, Knox oh, is an expert in something. Don't, don't ever terrifying. come to be like, well, Dartax is the master of knowledge about. Don't <laughs> you, said. you say that to my face and we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> as much That's as right. I would love to know that I have somehow gotten you started on a path you didn't have or helped you find <laughs> the tools to do so. The moment mm -hmm. you put me on a pedestal of knowledge, we need to sit down and talk. Because mm -hmm. no. It's explicitly in my FetLife profile, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. I don't try to do this to impart knowledge because I'm somehow better than someone else. Mm -hmm. Not even a little bit. I don't care that I've been doing it almost 30 years, which scares me sometimes in its own right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, joke you're old. That's uh, well, let's, that's a different joke, but also true. <laughs> Not so old, I can't swing a fucking whip, and that's all that goddamn matters. Anyway. So funny. Or start toys, apparently, but moving on. But, <laughs> but that's the thing is it's it's not about how much more I know than you do. It's mm -hmm. giving you the tools to know as much as I do. Yeah. Because if everybody, you know, as, as much as it's not a perfect world, in a perfect world, if everybody reached the level of competency that we did and more, how much more amazing would this community become? Oh, man. That is so the bottom strange. line right there. It's not that so I know more. It's that if I can get you to my level, you can exceed it. And the world mm -hmm. is a better place in kink because of it. That yeah. is the part that really matters. More than anything. If I could ever wrap up a single quote, ever, it's come to my level so that you can make better than I do. Absolutely. And that's the thing is to me, that's all ego talking when they get defensive like that. I, I agree with that. When Whenever I hear someone just instantly start getting defensive like that, it's to me, is it's like, okay, I need to poke more there. There's more here. You're defensive for a reason. It just, it's not, it's not a healthy response to any kind of challenge. No, I agree. That's... I mean, that's just it, though, is it shouldn't be defensive. Like, mm -mm. you know, at the end of the day, ego has no place in education in first place, but mm -mm. especially not in kink. You yeah. know, and it's it's I'm not even shitting on anybody. I'm not trying to, like, bash people who do or any of that at the moment. It's literally a case of it shouldn't because the point is for everybody to start knowing. more. Period. If it's something they didn't already know, it's a skill they've now picked up or a method they've now picked up. And I can do it just as much as you can. I don't care if you're brand mm -hmm. new. Yeah. I can still learn as much as you can. That's always mm -hmm. a possibility. That's the bottom line right there. But I can't learn in a vacuum. Nope. So if I don't impart what I know and get others to impart what they know, how the fuck do we learn? 
And yeah, you know, coming full circle back around to those people that are not effectively involved in the community that way, they still have to have the ability to find it somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Everything after that is semantics. Do mm -hmm. I love that I thrive in the community space that I'm getting involved in again? Absolutely. I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> but I don't need you to like it the way I like it. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to be interested in the style of things that I do. Yeah. If you're kinky, you're kinky. But I'm still going to build the best damn community I can with the tools I have to hand so that if you decide to walk into the community, there's something for you to find. That sounded like a really good final thought. I agree. I think that's a great way to wrap <laughs> that up, honestly. <laughs> it wasn't intended as a mic drop, but it works as one. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, that said, any other final thoughts? I think we covered everything pretty good. I mean, that's... I 100% agree. At, at the end of the day, community is what you make of it. Yeah. If you want it, find it. If it doesn't exist, build it. And if you don't know how to build it, reach out to those of us that have and we'll help you. Drop something in my DMs and I'll respond faster than you can think because nothing would make me happier yeah. than to help you find a way to build community. That one. Very true. Because Very I get true. it. I get it from personal hmm. experience. So mm -hmm. for anyone who hasn't listened or has lived under a rock until now, that and the fact that it's been a minute since the last time we've had an episode. So someone who turns in, you know, for the first time, you know, you can find me on the FETs. You can find me on email. You can look up our website, Spotify hosting, any number of a thousand other ways. Questions, death threats, comments, <laughs> whatever. I don't take death threats. I mean, I do just be prepared to be responded to. Um, if, you, if you send me one of those, there better be a check with it. Right. <laughs> you better be prepared for what you just started. Let's leave it at that. But um, all joking aside, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas. I am always open to whatever reach out for every time. Yeah. If you can't find me, you're not trying. Right, exactly. Especially now. My footprint's <laughs> only getting bigger now. So. Seriously. My bad. I wasn't trying. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Well, thank everybody for coming. Thank you for those in the live chat for listening to us. It's been a minute. Um, hoping it won't be as long for the next one, but, you know, life happens. <laughs> Definitely. But, you know, we do it for you guys, too. Thank you for everybody who will be listening to Spotify in the future or wherever else you may tune in. You know, Apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. Under a Rock, website, whatever it happens to be. You know, this is literally why we do this. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Absolutely. And have a wonderful rest of y'all's day. Goodbye. <laughs>